0: Have you ever heard someone say this before? A unit is a great way to start your investing journey. If they did say that you should clearly run because if you've heard that the chances are that this was someone that's simply trying to, I guess, sell you a unit or they only know their backyard uh, or maybe this is just what they thought where everything's so expensive, that's so cheap. And maybe this should catch up, right? And maybe they're people that perhaps are limited with what they can sell. And because of the geographic areas, they focus on, they might say, well, why not also do units? I have more options to sell. It's pretty sad. And I'm going to show you the data as to why you should not be buying a unit as an investor and why personally I will never, ever buy one. And look, all those great examples people show you, I'm going to show you why even they are subpar at best. Let's have a look at both the goods of units and still show you that it doesn't compare to where, you know, things are or things should be in the house markets. And then also the bads of units and where people horribly get it wrong. Now, remember, what we do at Investigate Buyers Agency is actually largely pay fixer-upper to people's portfolios. How much more fun would it be, though, is if I didn't have to do that and we could still take it to new levels. That would be where things change. And I think right now you're going to get real deep dive data and content, both on those great suburbs that everyone says units are good and on on those areas where units have clearly not been good to show you why they're still just not as good choices as houses almost anywhere in Australia. So let's dig in and we're going to go into the units firstly across the nation that have just been straight out poor performers. So we're going to start off with some long-term comparisons, okay? And the straight out comparisons there you could do is look at just houses and units. And I'm going to go through a few regions. So looking at Sydney, 20 year price growth in Sydney from 2003 to 2023, 173.5% increase in houses. For units, 108.9%. That's 70% almost left on the table. Do you really want to do that? Like just for simply choosing an asset type that wasn't a superior asset type. You're leaving that much on the table. So I think the first thing is just to recognize that that's a twenty year shift. That's not a couple of years of bad performance, and maybe this catches up over time because it's cheap, it's affordable. Surely it's got to go. Uh-uh. Twenty years, and it's not caught up. It just hasn't. So now, if you say that happens again for another twenty years, that same seventy percent variance. Now if that's a million dollar property. Seventy percent of that, seven hundred thousand smackeroonies. Like that's huge, right? imagine $700,000 less just because you found something that looked nicer, cooler, lower maintenance, a better feeling sounding suburb, but it just happened to be a unit. So I'll go through some of the whys a little bit later on. And I encourage you to stay towards the end of this podcast so you can actually really see some of the whys of why these units don't do well, even in the so-called areas that people say, wait, surely a unit's got to go well there. And I'm going to actually disclose some of those areas where they're have gone well at some level, but not as well as a house could have. And and the why more importantly, but if you're loving content like this, where we deep dive into the data behind stuff, just give us a bit of a hand, give us a bit of a support so I can produce more stuff like this. I know you're at least liking it. Jump onto our YouTube page, click, like click subscribe. It would mean a lot because we're going to put out more visuals like this. Where you see some of these numbers, the metrics, where we can go into the charts and say, Hey, look, what's truly happening with units in markets that you think are good, and even the ones that aren't great, but people think, well, they're cheap. Surely they're going to go. They ain't going. We're going to show you both. So that was Sydney. Now, if we go, well, maybe the 10-year picture is better, Arjun, because remember 10 years, prices are, you know, the gap in 20 years, maybe the 10 years are a little bit better. Well, no, it's not looking any better. 10-year median price growth is 102% for Sydney, for houses, and forty. for units, what a huge difference. Five years, maybe we'll try the different data cut because hey, Arjun just picks data that's nice for him and data that's maybe helpful for him to get a point across. Well, no, I'm cutting this in all sorts. I'm cutting this in 20, 10, five, everything, just to show you that it's really inferior. And on the five year perspective, we've got houses up 34.9% in Sydney and 6.2% in units crappy right biggest city in the country units up six seven percent on average in sydney and you could have just put that expensive unit in the grand scheme of things somewhere else the money in a house somewhere else and you would have way outperformed and that's actually one of the biggest representatives of people that we're helping is people who went out there bought a unit in sydney or melbourne over the last five years they've seen nothing from it they don't want to make a mistake again they're like please help me get a better decision elsewhere And that's what we're doing now, if hearing this, you're like, Oh, that sounds like me. I definitely don't want to make decisions like this. And you're reading the data out that shows that, and you're thinking, Hey, look, who can have a chat to, to learn more about data? Uh, Well, just doesn't even need to be a chat. I'm not here to sell you anything in this podcast. Go and check out our research papers, go and check out the YouTube page I mentioned for more and just learns about some of the trends and the results and the case studies, the stories of people who actually get results, buying houses in growth areas across the nation, not units in their backyard. So 20 year, 10 year, five year, all massive, massive shifts here in terms of that. Now, just in case you're wondering, maybe, maybe just maybe, 23, 24, the years ahead are the times of the units. Well, housing supply, that could be a great indicator, right? So housing supply for houses in Sydney down 39.2% from that 20 year supply level change. And now the units are down 23% in the 20-year supply level change. Now, for a short-term trend, why is the 20-year analysis important? Well, the key here is to show that supply itself, even to 20 years on, houses have actually dropped lower in supply than units have. Units have dropped, yes, but houses way more. And this trend is apparent all over the place. So the key here is to really recognize that the supply levels are varying. The price trends at 20, 10, and five years are varying. And Sydney is a great example to start off that journey with. Okay, so long-term growth comparisons. It'd be rude of me just to stick with one city. Why not throw it a bit more? Well, we'll go to the markets of regional New South Wales, and then we'll also touch on maybe Brisbane, just go across the country a little bit. So regional New South Wales, we're sticking on the high uh, 20 year period. So we're going 183.1% for 20 year growth for unit, for houses in rest of New South Wales versus 149.6 in units. Now, what was interesting was the 10-year part was quite similar in regional New South Wales, 97.2 for houses, 96.4 for units. So that 10-year split for that period and the five-year split for that period. So it was a long-term part where the separation was clear and the 10 and five years, not as much. Look, you could put that down to maybe the other parts of New South Wales not having the same zoning or supply areas where the supply shifts are different, but more on that later on. Now we've got Brisbane, 186.2% growth over 20 years for houses and 126.2% for units. And then the 10-year, look at this shocking number. We've got 73% increase in houses versus 26.6% for units. I would have hate to have been a unit owner in Brizzy, Sydney, things like that over the last five, 10 years, because clearly it's made a big difference and even more on the 20 year part. Um, Now we'll go to a few other areas. Maybe we'll check out, see what's cracking on in Perth. So in Perth, uh, 154.2% 20 year growth for houses and 110.3% 20 year growth for units. So still pretty different. Was there any region at all where over 20 years units did as good or better? Well, there was. So that was Darwin. And I don't know why. I haven't looked deep into this. I just want to tell you that it was. So I'm not showing you one sided data. In Darwin, there was a 178% 20 year growth for houses and 198% for 20 year growth in units. That is pretty cool, huh? So units outperformed. Darwin units outperformed Sydney side units. Take that, Sydney money. So Darwin outperformed. Now, again, Don't know, don't know why, but that is just some trends I wanted to share with you. Now, if you're in Darwin, by the way, before I go into some more data and you're thinking, hey, Arjun, I know the answer why as to what happened over those 20 years because of some local conditions that personally I haven't studied to the depths, please do drop a comment on our YouTube page. It'd be good to know on this video what your thoughts are why Darwin units kicked ass over the 20 year period in comparison to many other cities like Darwin units grew just as much as Sydney houses over the last 20 years. Interesting. Very interesting. Um, Now, that is what's really been happening. Now, this source goes and uses ABS data. So you guys can check this out yourself as well in terms of what's happening. But the first thing is clear is that long term growth comparisons across most of the country are in favor of houses. And it's only a few locations and a few areas where you tick 10 five year basis. Now, don't use those scenarios against me and saying like, hey, Arj, the five year basis in that region killed it. So why shouldn't I? It's odds are stacked against you. Like the majority of the data shows that it's against you when it comes to units. So why look for a battle in a fight that you may not win, right? Could you imagine like you being way smaller than a bigger fighting opponent you go, no, 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 I just wanna pick a fight with every single big person out. Like it's that kind of, <laughs> you might win some cause you're super skilled, but eventually someone's gonna be 260 pounds, 100 and something kilos, whatever measurements you want, six foot six, and they just overpower you, overpower you. Like that's what you're doing with this unit decision. You might be that one market that you saw, or maybe you might say my claim to flame, fame flame, is blue chip units. But it's a battle you're trying to fight, trying to win where the odds are against you. So those aren't odds I want to bet on. Now, the next thing here is the core parts of why, right? So the first part of why is to do with the lack of scarcity. Now building approvals in isolation do not change the game. It's building approvals in isolation that have no limit. That's the game changer. And remember with building approvals with no limit, because you can keep flying up in the sky. Just when you think the houses are done, you can pummel them down and do way more. The list never stops. So as a result, you can just keep going now with that as well. Units have a different point of value in comparison to houses. So I'll give you a key thing. When people are buying units in premium areas or even just areas that are close to the city, close to amenities, all this close to amenity living and all these factors make us feel as if this is about to be expensive. And so when you see all the upsides of amenities, when you see all the upsides of the things that it offers, the distance to CBD, the lifestyle, And then you see it be so cheap, it suddenly makes it like a no-brainer to make that decision. Oh, why wouldn't I? The cinemas are here, the shops are here, the groceries are here, the schools are down the road, everything's great, this looks really cheap, why wouldn't I? It sounds silly, how can this not grow? So from a perspective of the availability of housing, it's actually in the developer's incentive to make it as cheap as possible, play the volume game, get more deals across. Yes, you might think that, hey, it's a product, someone wants to sell it for as much as possible. Not true. Sometimes to sell something as much as possible, you need to make the price point extremely attractive. The same thing doesn't work on houses and houses. You might take the scarcity approach of stage by stage developments that unlock that sell for more, that sell for more, that sell for more. So there's that FOMO effect because remember you're showing that growth can happen in these areas things can go well. Look at the growth you'll have as well as the lifestyle Where in the units, the lifestyle is a big factor of everything that's around. They're so close, so much proximity, so much ease, and the unit has all these functions and look how cheap it is. So that factor is that driving scarcity is just not possible. But then at the same time, their goal is to make it look as cheap as possible to get the most value, to get the most sales, to do it all over again at high volume, right? So this is just unpacking more the industry sides of it. Now, Another thing to consider is that growth is not the only aspect of an investment. You've got to hold it, right? And this is where you're thinking, oh, maybe the, the units might offer more rent, better rental yield, better return. So if you're thinking better rents and better rental yields and better returns, you're forgetting about the term net, net money. The rates, the strata, the bills, they are huge and the shinier, the sweeter the bill, Right? So that swimming pool, that lift, those gold bars that Crown loves to do and all those fancy finishes, that's coming out of someone's pocket. It ain't free lunch. It's coming out of someone's pocket. And that's probably your strata bill, right? That cool swimming pool, the gym with the cool equipment, the sauna. Trust me, I lived in one of those as a renter. Best thing you could do as a rent vester. Imagine that hit ground floor. Boom, Guzman Gomez right up there. I'll take an avocado with chili and all that stuff on the way out. Feel healthy, but really I ate outside. And then at the same time, you go straight to your pool, straight to the sauna, read a book, go back to your unit, and then find the smallest little two-inch window that you can open so you can sound like you're having fresh air. The main thing is, that was the coolest time ever as a rent investor. I'm not going to lie. Remember, rent investor. Rent investor. The first words, rent, not buy. You don't want any of these things. And to be honest, by me being a rent investor there means I was benefiting from someone else's mistake, which, to be honest, as a renter, happy. You know, rent's not going up much, all the benefits of that affordable lifestyle. But as an investor, not happy. And you've got to avoid these type of investments. You will suffer, as you can see, the data shows it. So now you go, well, Arjun, there's some good areas though, right? There's some pretty cool pockets that have shown some good growth for units. They've shown good, but I can get you better. And so this is where we'll unpack those. So let's go to some amazing, amazing, fancy wine, dine, oysters, caviar, whatever you want to do, beaches, houses that are super fancy looking, BMWs and Audis parked outside, the blue chips of Sydney. I'm talking Valcluse, I'm talking Manly, I'm talking Bondi, I'm talking parts of Beaumaris, if I got that wrong, spelt it right or said it right in Melbourne, Albert Park, I don't know if that's premium by the way, just some cool names coming up here, Abbotsford. I'm looking at the list of markets that the research team has put together. But hey, everyone knows Valcluse, everyone knows Manly, Bondi, there's stuff there, right? So units, they did, they did pretty well in these areas, right? Like 10 years, half, 99.7. These are longer than, bigger than your 5-7% long-term averages of property. So therefore someone's like, hey, these are done well. But if you break these down, they just haven't done as well as the houses. So let's have a look at Bondi House is 135.3% 10 year growth. Bondi Units, 76% 10 year growth. Valklues, 148.5% house growth and 87.5 unit growth. Now, someone might say Valklues doesn't have units. Okay, cool. Let's go to Manly, 166.1% house growth, 99.7% unit growth. That is not all that special. It is great in the long term thing when I say, you've know, you got 10-year growth at almost 10% averages, 9% per annum averages. Don't get me wrong, that's phenomenal. That is actually pretty good. But the house in the same exact suburb would have done more. What about that money if you took it to, say, Brizzy instead, Adelaide instead? They have come back pretty quickly because look at the five-year growth. Five-year Bondi unit, 6.6% unit price growth and three-year unit price growth, 13%. There are suburbs in Adelaide for the same price as houses where you've Gotten 60% growth over those same three years for houses, keyword. Now, you can pick individual examples, you can pick individual suburbs, but no, Arjun, if you go to this part of Sydney, you're going to get that and buying the old red brick stuff. And I'm not saying you can't get growth, the data says that. But it's just the odds are stacked against you when you think of how many other regions there are in the houses that actually had more growth. And in the data's against you in the houses, when you start to look at the houses actually having better growth than units even in those select areas where you thought the units would be good. So the data says it. It's there. Just the main thing is you can find those one or two examples. I'm not talking about one or two specifics. I'm talking about regions, cities, states at macro levels all over. Go with the odds are in your favor and then make better micro decisions if you can. Now, when you're looking at all of this, there's also one more factor that we haven't mentioned. We've talked about The premium one still growing really well on 10 year basis, but not as good as some houses in the same suburb or other areas. You've got less value at potential. That's another one I want to throw in there. You've got strata. Lack of scarcity is the big impactor and the long term growth examples. Now, the last thing I want to leave you with is rents. We talked about the high yields and how they get offset in the net part. But what about the net growth or the actual growth of rents? Do they grow any better? Because maybe, hey, people are now renting more units. Well, I had a look at houses and units and I found some interesting things. So if you're still hanging on the Bondi, Valclues and Manly, that sort of stuff, um, they weren't too far apart. I think the rent trends grow pretty well in some parts of the rental market, especially here in Sydney in these specific examples. So we've got Bondi rents up more for units, 41.7% and houses up 33.6%. So the unit rents were a bit better in Bondi. And look, that might be the dynamics of the more renter population. So the renter population is putting that up and then the house population is therefore more owner occupiers. So as a result, there hasn't been a very active house rental market in Bondi. That could be the case, but that can go on. Uh, Manly up 33.9 for unit rents over 10 years, houses up a little bit more. So you see some varying things, but rent units weren't wacky when you compare them to the house counterparts in many areas. Um, In some parts, the oversupply was real and the rent stuff and the vacancy rates were high, but overall, it's really the growth here. We're talking about the net rents. And of course, all the building defects haven't even stuck myself into that equation. What happens when that happens? At least for the house, you've got your typical insurance, whereas in the unit stuff, the bills are going bust. They're not showing up. The warranties are dead. People are approving stuff that shouldn't have been approved. So it's pretty scary times. I know people who've had great locations, Gone units again underperformance already. And we're helping this couple try and buy other houses, but then they are stuck in the scaling of it because just as they try to sell the unit, the building issues are coming up from the reports and they're seeing things impact the sale of their campaign or impact the campaign for their sale. So it's clear that the units are just inferior when it comes to even good growth suburbs that do well. You can find other houses better or the houses in the same suburb better. You can look at units in isolation and look at them from the lack of scarcity, the lack of long-term growth, the strata, the net rent, and the less value add in some units. Overall, I want you to think bigger. I want you to challenge yourself. I want you to get broader with your horizon and find markets where you can fit your budget instead of forcing a unit into the area you like and know and trust well, because the data says otherwise. Well, if you liked analysis like this, where we go into units, go into houses, different cities across the country, visualizing charts like this, speaking about them if you're on the road. I hope you then can see where we're headed with this type of analysis and more content like this for you. But if you want more content like this, all I ask is one small favor. It's to please subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're really trying to build it up so we can give you more and more content like this. It's Investikit, I-N-V-E-S-T-O-R-K-I-T. Yes, I know my ABCs. And that is over there for you to subscribe to. Check it out.